This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. It is time for Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. Welcome back. Scott Branson and Mo Moten with you on our Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe if you already don't. Drop it there. Say yes. Subscribe. Get auto download. That way, every time a show comes out, which is three, four times a week, sometimes more, depending what's going on, you will get the show there. So we appreciate that and appreciate you listening to Silver and Black today. Well, Raider Nation, you had the week off, sort of. The Raiders didn't play. They didn't lose. They didn't win. But you guys had a lot going on, and we'll talk about that in a minute. More drama in Raider Nation, of course. There has to be. But first of all, I have a very serious um, special announcement for folks out there, a group of folks that I'm really concerned with, and I just want to tell you I'm there with you. And that, of course, is Los Angeles Dodger fans. Dodger fans. Anyway. Um, just want to say, <laughs> okay, sorry. So yes, I'm a Padres fan, and and Mo said I would gloat, and I haven't really gloated until just then. But anyway, two, there's a lot of Raider fans who are Dodger fans, so just let me enjoy this period of time. You've had the Dodgers make the Padres look like nothing over time, but the Padres have now beat two 100 win teams to advance to face the uh, face the fight and fills of Philadelphia in the National League Championship Series. And, uh, Mo, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of Dodger fans follow us here, and you've been making a joke about it. And most of them have been good-natured. My good friend Dave Kindred, who always drops smart-ass remarks to me on Twitter, was telling me I was gloating, and I said I wasn't gloating. They're just a little butthurt. Well, I, I'm not going to say anything because you know what happened to the Mets this year in the hands of the Padres. So <laughs> oh, I, I, I sure can't do. even. I sure I do. Can't e- I can't even say anything, but I'm actually used to the Mets fading 
late in the season, early in the playoffs. So this isn't new for me. So hopefully, just like you, I get to have my moment in the sun as, as a Met fan. <laughs> well, and then a reminder too, guys, uh, we, we talk about social media. We have such great interactions with folks in social media. Sometimes like Mo this week, you have to clap back at people who smart off a little bit now and then, but you just got to do that occasionally. You can follow Mo at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. He, of course, is a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. You can also follow my work up on sportsnot.com and follow me at LV Gully and the show SNB Today. All right, Mo, let's jump in. There was you know some news early this week on Monday, as a matter of fact, yesterday, the Raiders placed cornerback Nate Hobbs on injured reserve. They signed cornerback Tavon Campbell to the practice squad, and they released Bryce Cosby. This is a huge loss for this team. Now, Nate Hobbs, though, the last time we saw him before the injury, the first time that I thought he did not look good. Yeah, and that was that was in part because of the injury. But I will say Patrick Mahomes targeted him early and often, didn't have a, didn't have a good game either way. Uh, of course, he earned his stripes, his toughness. You admire that toughness, but in a game like this, as a bottom line business, you want you want to have effective cornerbacks on the field. And obviously, he wasn't effective while he was hurt. Uh, he goes on IR, so he's automatically going to miss four games. What this opens up is either the Raiders trade for a corner. Now, I know they picked up Tevin uh, Campbell, Devon Campbell, who play actually played well with the Chargers. Uh, forced a couple of force, uh, forced a couple of fumbles. Had about four pass breakups in 2021, I believe. Very opp- opportunistic defensive back. But I think it's going to be time. Uh, our guy, Meek Robinson, is probably about to step up. Maybe undrafted rookie Sam Webb gets more reps. I would hope that Anthony Avery gets back in the mix. Of course, he broke his yeah. thumb in the season opener against the Chargers. If he can get back in the mix, Ian Rapport said he was facing a month-long recovery. So it's about that time where he could come back. And if he does, he'll likely play on the boundary. Well, and, and Mo, this is this is a story. I mean, we're seeing, <clears throat> listen, the NFL, there's attrition, right? Every team has to deal with injuries all season long. But I will tell you, this this Raiders defensive backfield, which has talent on it, you mentioned Nate Hobbs, uh, and is young, Amik Robertson, and some guys are stepping up. It, it's not deep. And so to lose guys back there, to your point about the trade deadline, we're going to talk about the trade deadline later in the show as well. But when it comes to cornerbacks, there's some good cornerbacks that are going to be available. You're starting to see teams like we saw Carolina, obviously, uh, with the trade with Arizona yesterday. You're starting to see teams now as we get closer a couple weeks away from the trade deadline starting to do their fire sales. When you look at that cornerback position, if Nate Hobbs is out significant time past um, the requirement for the injured reserve, what what names might pop out to you on teams that are sort of already out of it looking to dump salary? Uh, two names pop out to me immediately. A lot of people ask me about William Jackson III already. He wants out of Washington. I believe there's a there's a scheme mismatch. He's more of a man corner. Uh, not a fit under Jack Del Rio. Uh, he struggled. When he, when he got mm-hmm. out of – he was with Cincinnati. The Bengals drafted him. Then he signed with Washington. Wasn't the same player. He was better in Cincinnati than he was at Washington, so you know something was up. But this is a guy that can line up on the outside and secure the boundary for you, and I think the Raiders should be interested. If if he's within their price range and, he, and the compensation is right, I would go get William Jackson to fill in, and maybe he can even start there for the remainder of the season, and when Nate Hobbs comes back, he can get back to his natural position in the slot. I wouldn't mind that. The other name that pops out to me 
isn't a big name because he struggled since the, uh, he's been drafted in the top 10 by the Jacksonville Jaguars is CJ Henderson. I know a lot of people back away from him because they say he can't tackle. I get it. But usually teams are willing to kick the tires on a former first round pick, especially a top 10 pick because they realize that player has potential because uh, it's low risk, high reward, right? So if he, if he, starts to live up to his first round top 10 potential, then you have a playmaker. If he doesn't, then you can just kind of discard him because the Panthers, as you just mentioned, trading Robbie Anderson to the Cardinals on Monday, they're in the mid, they're, they're saying they're not in the midst of a fire sale, but let's be honest, most of their guys are available except their cornerstone roster pieces. Yeah, and even then we're hearing Christian McCaffrey could be available. The cost is ridiculous and nobody's going to pay it, especially yeah. with his injury history. But we've heard mm-hmm. even that. One name at, in, in your hometown team there, Mo, and that is Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall was Sauce Gardner there in the Jets as well as the Jets are doing. Bryce Hall now might be a piece they might be willing to part with. What do you think about him and his fit with Patrick Graham in Las Vegas? I'd be willing to try it out. The only problem with Bryce Hall is that he has not looked good. Even in the preseason, I watched some of the Jets preseason games and he was getting toasted. <laughs> so mm. if you're looking at recent Bryce Hall tape or film or games where he's played in, you're not going to like it. But if you think a fresh change of scenery can help him out, then yeah, sure, you put him up there because he's not getting playing time with the Jets with Sauce and J.R. Reed over there. Well, it'll be interesting. And again, later in the show, by the way, we're going to talk about the trade deadline in the third segment and what the Raiders might be due. Could the Raiders, depending what happens, be sellers too? We'll talk about that coming up later. But first, I want to jump into a couple things that have happened over the bye week. After the the Chiefs game, of course, we saw the Devontae Adams photographer incident where he pushed the photographer. Turns out the photographer was a videographer for NFL, for the NFL, so works for the league. The Chiefs, excuse me, the Kansas City Police charge Devontae Adams with a misdemeanor assault charge. We don't know if there's going to be any civil lawsuit. Everybody seems to think this camera guy is, of course, going to do that. Uh, If he wants a career in the NFL, I don't think he will. But if he doesn't and he doesn't care, he may. But, Mo, this whole thing has bothered me just because, number one, there's no excuse for what he did. Uh, and and Devontae Adams quickly after the game, as we discussed on Monday night, last Monday, uh, apologized. Uh, he's a good dude, Devontae Adams. He's not a bad dude. He's not Antonio Brown. He doesn't have any record of being a jerk off. OK, so we understand that he apologized. He meant it. It's all good. Let's move on. Raider fans, some of them are dissecting it like it's the Kennedy assassination Zapruder film. Like, well, he didn't shove. If you look from this angle, it's like, don't excuse the action. It's just what happened. Now, the severity of the injuries, that's fair game. I think it's its pretty crappy. You don't know for sure, but listen, it looks like the guy was fine. But to, I find that there's this excuse making going on. There's a second point I'll get to, which is much more inflammatory. But this whole point of trying to dismiss that what he did was wrong, I think is wrong. Yeah, there's no doubt what he did is wrong. But you have to understand, Scott, as long as Devontae Adams is a Raider, Raider fan, there's going to be a portion of Raider fans who are going to defend him. If Devontae Adams was the Kansas City Chief, those same people (laughs) would not be defending him. So let's know. That's what it boils down to is that they want Devontae Adams to play. They want him to be sure. available because, you know, there's a possibility that he could be suspended. And they, you know, if losing him would be a big blow, especially with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller 
not looking like their normal selves. So they want him to be on the field. But yeah, no doubt what he did was wrong. And he apologized for that. So he understands what he did was wrong. He at the moment, but you can dissect it however you want. Uh, litigation is going to take over now and it's out of his hands. Now the decision comes down to what the league finds an investigation. Now the league said they're going to wait for the legal process to play out for them to make a decision. So we'll see how that plays out. Right. And, and again, wrong, but I agree with the fact that no, he should not be suspended. Okay. No. Will he get fined when they rectify the, the legal stuff? Yes, he'll get fined. That's okay. No problem there. I get it. When you, It's just like if you hit somebody on the field with an illegal hit, you get fined. I think Devontae Adams is fine. And you move on. That was my point is people making much more out of it. Then I'm going to get into, it's a little bit of a third rail here. So excuse me, Mo. Um, you might want to log off. Um, but... The other right, thing that I the other thing that I saw <laughs> was people making this into a quasi racial issue. Why aren't people talking about Brett Favre, but they're talking about Devontae Adams? And I just don't understand the logic there. Look, the Brett Favre stuff is explosive. I don't know about everybody else when they say it hasn't been covered. I've seen it everywhere. Is it on uh, Sunday morning football or good morning football every day? No, because it wasn't on the football field. It's not football related. When did Brett Favre retire, by the way? A while ago. Okay. So, so nobody cares about Brett Favre as a football player right now. Brett Favre as a former football player, Hall of Famer, who may have committed and is alleged to have committed fraud absolutely a big story. It has its place and no one's forgetting about it, but whether it's Stephen A. Smith or somebody else pontificating on some network about, well, you see all this Devontae Adams stuff, but you see nothing about Brett. Why is suddenly apples and oranges having to be compared and assuming to be the same thing? I don't understand the selective outrage. And again, Mo, I'm the white guy here, but I think it's like a pseudo racial thing. And I don't understand it because I don't look, I look at crime or bad behavior as crime or bad behavior, whoever commits it, okay? Devontae Adams, nothing compared to what Brett Favre's accused of, okay? But it's it's modern football. It's a guy who's on the field who did it during or post-game. Am I wrong here? What am I missing? I think the part you're missing here is, first of all, a lot of there are still some people out there who don't know what Brett Favre is alleged doing. Because <laughs> uh, you, you have to do... You have Research. to do some. You have to do some reading to really get into the disgusting what? act that the alleged act that Brett Favre stuff that Brett Favre was involved in. With Devontae Adams, there was video that circulated around all of social media as soon as it happened. So mm. that's easier to react to. You're going to get a quicker reaction because the video is there and you can see it. it's a quick action. With Brett Favre, you have to actually do some researching. You know, a lot of people don't want to do any research. The other thing is. I think it also depends on who you're following. If you're following mostly NFL accounts, yeah, they're not going to talk heavy about Brett Favre. Brett Favre has been retired for 12 years. right? So that's not going to be the lead story on anything NFL related because he's been out of the league. Devontae Adams is, is a star wide receiver currently active. So, of course, that's going to be the lead story, him shoving a, a cameraman photographer because of the impact it has on the game. That's what people there on these NFL networks are there to talk about players in the game before they talk about players outside of it. That it's just a matter of, to me, it's just a matter of common sense. There. It's, it's a, it's a good point. And to your point about reading, I read too much. And so um, I see it. I saw it in more mainstream publications, newspapers, whether it's the wall street journal, whether it's Yahoo news, whether it's CBS news, CNN, 
it's covered there more because you're right. It's off the field. He's been t- retired for 12 years. But just a thought there. And again, Devontae Adams, good dude, made a mistake. It's done with. I don't know why people are wanting to argue that it wasn't as bad as it. Look, people who hate the Raiders are going to use it and say that he's a bad guy and he deserves to be in jail. That's just fandom talking. It means nothing. So you don't have to analyze the film. He pushed the dude. It's over with. And I think people should move on. So that's my, my, my two cents on that. The other thing was, and this one, again, we have been very critical on this show over the last couple of weeks of Darren Waller and his play or lack thereof, including his missing of the Chiefs game. We talked about it in the post game last Monday significantly. Darren Waller goes with his girlfriend, Kelsey Plum, who, by the way, is a San Diego born and bred product. She grew up in San Diego, went to high school in San Diego, won an WNBA championship with the Aces and all 14 people who watched it. And she was in San Diego for the first pitch. She threw the pitch out uh, of game three. Okay, at the Padres game, Darren Waller was with her. So the picture you sent it to me, actually, I was so excited. I tweeted, I say, Darren Waller, he's got some good taste. He might not be playing well on the field, but at least he's got the right jersey on, right? You would have thought that Darren Waller robbed a bank. And then when he robbed a bank, he went to an orphanage, stole all the toys, gave it to the Grinch. And then he did something else terrible, right? So Darren Waller, who was injured, and I understand fair criticism, fair criticisms, but what do you want the guy to do, Mo? He's on a break. Should he lock himself in his room or should he sit in a hot tub or ice for that hamstring for six straight days? Scott, don't you understand? You don't play well on the football field. On your bye week, you're supposed to sit in your room, cry in your pillow, cower out, never come outside, and not have any fun with your life until you catch a couple of touchdowns. That's how it works. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because before I sent the pick to you yeah. as a Padres fan, I, you know, knowing you were a Padres fan, I actually retweeted the pick and I said, I spy with my eye. And that's an inflamm- That's a non-inflammatory tweet. All I said was I spy with my eye, meaning I see what I see, which is Darren Waller. And people people responded to this week saying, oh, what are you trying to say, Mo? Oh, he's just with his girlfriend. He's just <laughs> having fun. And I'm just like, guys, and this is what you the saw fact that you, I'm just like, I didn't say anything terrible about Darren Waller. I didn't say he was a bum. I didn't say, why is he out with his supposed reported girlfriend? Why is he at a Padres game? Why is he in? I didn't say anything bad about Darren Waller. I just said, I see Darren Waller with Kelsey Plum before the Padres game. And people just took that and ran with it. And it goes to show how inflammatory and how and how extreme Twitter can be. You can oh, take yes. something, you could take something so innocent and people will turn it into this the biggest statement ever. And I was like, wow, this is how much is coming out of Darren Wall not playing well. Now I get it, there is a one and four, he's not playing well, so he's gonna get that. But for me as a person just retweeting it, it was just like, oh Mo, what are you trying to say? And if people know me on Twitter, if I want to say something about a player, I'm going to say it. I'm not yes, going to throw are. it out as a, as a veiled shot or 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 just be kind of passive aggressive about stuff. If I'm going to say something about Darren Waller or, or criticize him, I'm going to say it. But that moment wasn't one of those moments. I just said, hey, it's Darren Waller at the Padres game. No, and you bring up a good point because my good friend and former colleague at Raider Nation Radio, JT the Brick, 
tweeted out on Monday about Tom Brady yelling at the offensive line of the Buccaneers. He said, see, here's what a real quarterback does. He calls him out on the field. He doesn't do it at the press conference. He doesn't do it in the locker room. So guess what that meant to, to a lot of Raider fans, right? That meant he was saying Derek, Derek Carr does that. And he was not saying, and, and, and JT responded. He was not saying that. I've done this, and I, truth be told, experiment occasionally, and I will tweet something and just see what people respond. I'm trying to see what, how they read it, because you can make an innocent statement and people read into it. So that piece of it, but Darren Waller being at a baseball game, Devontae Adams was at Fresno State for his jersey retirement. Then he was at the NASCAR race. Now, I know he wasn't hurt, but he did shove a photographer. Should he have stayed home too? Should he have put himself under house arrest and punished himself for the week? I mean, I just, and I get it. Look, Darren Waller, the basketball game back in the preseason, we go all back to that. If Darren Waller was playing like a champ, people would have been just ecstatic that he was at the Padre game, uh, unless they're Dodger fans. Uh, but, but other than that, it, it just, why, what is your expectation, fans? What is your expectation of people? Is your expectation that when they lose or perform badly, they should flog themselves with a leather whip? Uh, I mean, I don't understand this, 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 People feel like they owe they owe they owe them some sort of public humiliation. It's crazy. You Scott, you always remind me of this offline that Twitter is a very very small <laughs> true portion of our society. So the idiots and fools that you hear on Twitter screaming about, you know, Darren Waller shouldn't leave the house cuz he's not catching touchdowns. It's a very very small group of people. Because I'm sure if you go up to people out in the street, the normal uh, even people, those same people who are screaming on Twitter, if you find them out in real life, they don't have those extreme opinions. It's just, <laughs> it's just Twitter. There are people, a lot of people just tweet things for retweets and likes and for attention. That's I'm true. sure a lot of people understand that, okay, he's not playing well, but he's not going to lock himself in a bedroom until the Raiders play the Texans or he's healthy enough to play football again. It's just not a, it's not a realistic expectation. Yeah, it's, it is crazy. Uh, but there's crazy out there, especially on Twitter. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap up segment number one. When Mo and I come back, we're going to talk about the Raiders, the next five, six games. How does it look for them? This, the percentage of chance of the Raiders make the playoffs is like under 20%, right? But does that matter? What are actual real expectations for this team? Can they still make the playoffs with a nice run here in the middle of the schedule. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere or we'll find you. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Segment number two, Silver and Black today on this Tuesday. 
Thanks for joining us, Raider Nation. We appreciate you being with us on our Odyssey original podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Again, Mo, we told him last week, and we got the email this week. We're still in third place. We're third nationally amongst the 32-team podcasts on the Odyssey Network. Only the Eagles and Cowboys podcasts are ahead of us, and we're just behind the number two team, which is the Cowboys podcast. We're only two percentage points when it comes to downloads. Mo, I, w- I want to get to number two really quick. We have to get to number two. I mean, do you want to be you know, behind the Cowboys? I understand the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles are undefeated and everything. Their fans are all hyped about that, but come on. The yes. Cowboys, they had Cooper Rush as their quarterback. You cannot tell yeah. me that the Raiders don't have more fanfare, more buzz around this team, despite the record with all the stars that they have in their quarterback who is polarizing. Come on. Derek Carr, Cooper <laughs> Rush, not a contest. Let's get no. with it. No, I mean, yes, the Cowboys are four and two. The Raiders are one and four. But that shows you just how loyal Raider Nation is. One and four, and we're still number three in mm-hmm. the podcast ratings for Odyssey in the NFL behind a four and two and a six and O team. Okay. So so help us do that. Just just subscribe to the podcast, hit auto download. So turn it on so that it always downloads when a new show is available. And of course, tomorrow we will do our popular mailbag show. It's usually on Wednesday. We had to do it on Friday last week because of the switch up with Monday Night Football, but it will be on Wednesday. So tomorrow. So make sure you uh, check that out as well. And then our normal Thursday where we do some pregame for Sunday's game against the Houston Texans. And then, of course, we'll have our postgame myself and Murph from Raiders Fan Radio will give you instant reaction after the Raiders game on Sunday. Okay, Mo, let's dive into this. If we start looking at the Raiders' schedule over the next five to six weeks and throughout the rest of the season, um, if we were to chart a course for the playoffs, what do the Raiders have to do? Do they need to run off a five-win uh, uh, run here in this next five-game stretch to have a chance at the playoffs? Could they win three in a row, lose one, win three in a row? Kind of what do you think of with scenarios? I mean, I know it's a tough task. Making the playoffs will be hard. It just will be. Uh, but I actually, after a week off of the Raiders not playing, I don't know why, but I have enthusiasm. I think they're going to make a run, whether or not they end up winning with, if they get to the 10 wins you predicted and have stuck with, if they get to 10 wins and make it in or don't make it in with 10 wins, I think they're going to get there. And you said this before, I think during our last show last week, that this part of the schedule, the next five to six games is going to decide their season because after the five, six game stretch, it leads you to around Thanksgiving which is mm-hmm. when I said is the time where you start to see the separation, the real separation between playoff contenders and teams who are looking forward to the draft. So to answer your question, I don't think the Rays have to win five in a row per se, but they're going to have to win four or five, mm. five or six maybe, if they want a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. Because as we said, the AFC, even though the AFC West is not what we expected, we expected the AFC West to be a little stronger. The AFC West, the AFC is still a stronger conference over the NFC. So, on the NFC side, where you may get an eight nine team squeak in, I, I think you still, I think ten wins, you still feel comfortable in the AFC. Maybe not an eight, depending on how things shake out late, but you want to shoot for ten. But I would well, say, but I would say really quick, within the next five games, they got to win at least four. They got to win at least four of them. Because <laughs> yeah, if you gotta, lose they, two, if you lose two, you're in trouble. Yeah, they got they have to have a hot streak of some sort. Like you said, I, I don't necessarily think it has to be five in a row either. But like you said, four of six five of six. Uh, and I think, I think it's possible. 
But you talk about the AFC and the Raiders' chances in the AFC. I've been surprised, of course, on Sunday afternoon we saw the Chiefs and Bills. That did not disappoint. Another great game, and I'm sure the Raiders loved, Raider fans loved the fact that my camera froze. But anyway, we'll, we'll continue on. Um, that, that, that Patrick Mahomes was intercepted late, right? Um, and, and all of that. But at the same time, overall, though, Mo, you, you talk about the AFC West not being as good as we thought it would be. I also see a lot of as good as much better as the AFC is than the NFC. There's a lot more parity than I expected because you look at how the, well the Jets are doing. You look at how the Titans have surprised some people. You look at some of these other teams and even the Patriots, right, have come to a point where you just didn't think they'd be there. Um, it's going to be a lot of com- a lot of competitive teams that I think nine or ten wins. Yeah, it's going to be similar to last year. I think the NFL loves this because it, yeah. you're, there's a reason to watch late. There's so many games you're going to have to watch in week 17, 18 to see which teams make it. But I would say it's we're still we, we just got through the first third of the season. So as I just said a couple of minutes ago, the second third of the season, we'll, you'll see you'll begin to see the separation. But what I will say about the AFC West is it it looks like the Raiders, regardless of record. Looks like the Raiders are the third best team in the division right now. Denver, mm-hmm. to me, still a mess. Russell Wilson is getting shots in his arm because he has a to- partially torn lat. I-, I just don't think they're ever going to look like the team that people thought they would be, which is a Super Bowl contender. So I would give the Raiders the third best spot right now in the AFC West. Now, the Chargers have some injuries. They're without their star left tackle. Their right tackle position has always been shaky. We, t- we talked to uh, Nick Cothrell weeks ago about that. Their right tackle position is just as shaky as the Raiders. Uh, their defense is pretty much up and down. And now that Nick Bosa is – Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa is on injured reserve with a torn groin, I believe. So he's yep. going to be out a while. Um, so that – and J.C. Jackson, who's been their star uh, Frazier pickup, hasn't been what a lot of people expected. Uh, Nick wrote a piece saying that he's still trying to find his comfort zone on a new defense. So the Chargers could be hot and cold. So that that game against the Chargers is going to be huge. But let, huge. let's just focus on this on the second third of the season. If the Raiders can go on a run, perhaps they're neck and neck with the Chargers behind the Chiefs for the second spot. Who knows? But they're going to have to rattle off some type of win streak. And I'm talking, as I said, three, four wins back to back to back to back if they're going to make a run. Yeah, and 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 I was pretty I was pretty down on the Raiders a- after that Chiefs loss because of how it went. But I will tell you, for me, if I was if I was if if the Raiders were a stock right now going into Week Seven, I would be a buyer. I really would. And we saw this play out a little bit. And I know it's not much consolation to Raider Nation who does not want to be one and four, but. You saw a lot of national media. You saw some of these podcasts that interview players from around the league talk about how the Raiders are much better than their record. Now, you could argue that, no, they're not. Their record is who they are. But they also had some, some, some issues up front with injuries and, and, and just kind of getting used to the Josh McDaniels system. So, so when you look at something like that, where you're seeing a lot of guys around the league, players talk about it, you're seeing people who cover the league. Yes, two weeks ago they were talking about how the Raiders were disappointing, and that's true as well. But they're also like everybody's waiting for this team to bust out. And I, I do think there is something to that, Mo. I do think using this week off, uh, hopefully they, they, write, they got their minds right the coaching staff makes the adjustments that they need to do. The focus returns as they come back from this mini break. 
and they're ready to go. There's signs there on offense that it's it, it can happen. The defense now concerns me with Hobbs now being out and so on, uh, and all the issues we've talked about over the course of the year about the, the defense. But overall, I think fans should have a positive outlook going into Sunday. I think what we see and what a lot of other players in pundits see is that you got Derek Carr, you got Devontae Adams. I know Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro haven't been themselves compared to previous years, but those guys haven't forgotten how to play football. You're, you're <laughs> expecting those two guys to eventually turn it around. You got I know the defense has not played well, but you got Max Crosby. Chandler Jones started to, started to come about last two weeks before the bye. I started to flash a bit. Nate Hobbs, as you mentioned, is on IR, but Rocky Asin has played a decent game on, on the boundary. Uh, Amik Robinson, our guy, has stepped up. So when you look at some of those names, the, specifically the stars, you're that's that's why you think the Raiders can rattle off some wins, especially with the teams coming up. You got the Texans, you got the Jaguars, you got the Saints, uh, teams who are struggling. And even the Colts, who have seemed to right their ship, they're not explosive offensively. If you could score 24, 27 points, you have a chance to beat them, which the Raiders can do with their offensive weapons I just listed. But really quick, I had an exchange. I hate to name drop, so <laughs> I'll, keep it, I'll, I'll keep this anonymous. But I had an exchange with a Raiders reporter, someone who's around the Raiders on a daily basis. And it happened after I retweeted a video of Nick Sirianni and his awkward explanation of how the Philadelphia Eagles are coming along. He compared it to watering a plant, basically, and the roots being under the ground. And it takes a while for the plant to fully grow for everyone to see it. And it was very awkward. But I said when, when he made that statement at the point, it was very, very, very out of place and not a great speaker at the podium, but he had a vision. And now the Eagles are undefeated 6-0 going into their week seven bye. So now when you look back at that message, you go, wow, he, you know, he really knew what he was talking about. Even though it didn't come out smooth, to the media, <laughs> he knew what he had in that locker room. And the reporter told me that, you know, when the when he made that statement, the Eagles were also struggling, kind of like the Raiders. Now, I'm not Josh McDaniels could say, okay, it, it's coming along. We're learning how to how to win and all this stuff and not how to and not lose. And he compared it to the Eagles situation. Now I get it. Sometimes when you see it in the locker room, other people don't see it outside, but you you could see it building, you could see it moving in the right direction. You just haven't reaped the results yet. Where I would push back on a reporter is that Eagles team had a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts. It was kind of in rebuild mode. And this goes back to your point about the Raiders. When Josh McDaniels came in and Dave Ziegler came in, they didn't inherit a team in rebuild mode. They inherited a playoff team. So the mm -hmm. expectations were a lot higher. You're not expecting this team to start off 2-5, and 3-6 and six when you take over. You're expecting this team to take off because you got star players on offense. You got a couple of recognizable names on defense. It should be enough for you to start off better than one and four. So that's why I would push back on this reporter. But what I agree agree with him and say and connected to your statement was maybe we overestimated this Raider team. Maybe we expected this Raider team to build on what they had last year. And I believe you made this point. Maybe they're not building off of what they had last year. Maybe they have to reconstruct some things mm. to right the ship and steer in the right direction. Now fans don't want to hear it because it goes along with having patience. And Raiders fans hate to hear patience because they've heard that for for decades now. But as we can see, it's not a build. It's not a, just a, a seamless build off of last year. They're going to have to change some things around. Maybe maybe tweak some things. I have an article out on Sports Not today 
that says five possible changes that we could see coming out of the buy for the Raiders. And I advise people to check that out. We'll talk more about it in the next show. But I think there are some changes that we could see out of the buy that they make following their one and four start. Yeah, interesting stuff. And I think that uh, there there is question there. I mean, you're right. I mean, wh- this team was building off a playoff year, but it had holes. It had things that you want to do. You come in, you institute a new system. And you don't have all the right guys. You you do the best with what you got. We we, we saw that we've been criti- critical of this regime for the handling of the offensive line situation, and they might be getting to that. But they just decided, you know what? Maybe not now. Maybe next year when we have a different quarterback. Maybe maybe when we draft a, a young quarterback, get a line in here to build with that person. Who knows? We don't know. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I'm just saying it's a possibility. And, and we'll certainly talk about that. We'll talk about it coming up in the next segment, too, because we're going to talk about possibilities around the trade deadline. And if the Raiders are buying who they might be interested in and if they're selling, who might they ship away? So we'll do that next as Mo and I return on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast right after this break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Homestretch, Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast on this glorious Tuesday with Raider football coming up on Sunday. Yes, the bye week is over. They get back to practice tomorrow. You'll get to see football on Sunday. You'll be excited about it. I think a win for the Raiders. We'll talk about that on Thursday. But, Mo, I want to jump in. By the way, Mo Moton, Scott Branson with you. Follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully. Do us a favor. Make sure if you're listening to the show, that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. We don't care where you get it. Just subscribe to it and put it on auto-download for us. If you're watching the simulcast on YouTube and participating in the live chat, I love mixing it up with you guys in there, except for the bots. Wow, those bots are crazy. For some reason, they're really into HIV. I don't know what the deal is, but that's always the message. It's so weird. I can't figure it out. Anyway, uh, but subscribe on YouTube Hit the notifications bell so you know every time there is a new show. Mo, the trade deadline coming up here on November 1st. We talked a little bit about it last week, but now we start to think about the Raiders. We talked about cornerback with Nate Hobbs on injured reserve and what they're going to be able to do there if Sam Webb is not as as healthy as they need him to be uh, and other situations don't work out. But if you look at targets for the Raiders outside of cornerback, if we look at offensive line, defensive tackle, uh, and defensive end with some of these teams that even though they might have records like the Raiders, their prospects don't seem as rosy as the Raiders. Um, Are there any names out there? Let's start with that defensive line, defensive tackle, defensive end. We've seen Chandler Jones come along, right? In that Chiefs game, he really played well in the first half. Not as good in the second half, but none of the defense did. So that's sort of like a unit thing. But when you look at that, is there an opportunity for them to get another pass rusher uh, and and put some pressure there, maybe some competition inside? Yeah, you know, it's hard to get pass rushers unless they're injury prone or just yeah. not available because no one in the NFL has given up a good pass rusher because it's one of the highest premium positions in the league. And I mentioned Sheldon Rankins last week. And then he goes out Sunday against the Packers and he has a big game. So I don't know if the Jets are going to be willing to to deal him unless they just feel like, okay, we, we want to give snaps to somebody else because they did draft Jermaine Johnson, who's a first-round pick. I know Jermaine Johnson lands out at defensive end and Sheldon Rankin's more of an inside guy. 
but they have John Franklin Myers who can be inside mm-hmm. outside. They just paid him. So I thought maybe Sheldon Rankins could be the odd man out, but he shows up with a sack against the Packers. And now I'm thinking maybe they don't let him go. So uh, maybe the Raiders can get Solomon Thomas back. <laughs> Solomon <laughs> Thomas is not getting a lot of snaps with the Jets. Uh, he's basically, I believe, under 33% of the defensive snaps. Solomon Thomas did have a good year, kind of a resurgent year with the Raiders. I don't know if he would be a great fit for Patrick Graham, but he is versatile because he can line up at different spots. So I think it it could be a scheme fit for him, but maybe he's not fit to be with the Jets because they have so much depth there. Maybe the Raiders can get him back and he give him a little bit of a boost. I know that's not an exciting name to talk about, but again, teams are not giving up pass rushes like that because – it's the one position you need to combat some of these great quarterbacks, the Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen's of the world. So uh, don't expect big names to move. And a lot of fans are wondering, Derek Brown, the Carolina Panthers, they're going to move him. Now I saw conflicting reports about that. I saw one reporter who's part of a news station say it's basically a lock. And I put that in air quotes, a lock that Derek Brown is going to be moved. And then Ian Rappaport kind of came along and just squashed that rumor and said, yeah, the Panthers are not trading Derek Brown. He's basically a cornerstone, and that's what I expected. I told Raider fans last week, don't expect the Panthers to move Derek Brown. Don't mm-hmm. expect them to move Brian Burns because those are the two guys that you want to attract a new head coach because, remember, they have an interim now. So mm-hmm. it goes both ways. You want a new coach in there that's going to be invested, but you also want to be able to attract a good coach. And you can say, okay, look, we have these pieces here. You Can, can you work with this? And I just don't see, it, see them dealing – Burns or Brown and trying to attract a new head coach. So, as I suggested last week, Matt Ionis is a name I would keep an eye on as far as defensive lineman because he could play the three tech, line up inside and rush the passer. He did it with the Washington Commanders. Hasn't really had a big role with the Panthers, so I don't see why they would keep a rotational player for a high price. Threads could probably get him for a future sixth or seventh round pick. Doesn't cost them much, and they can bolster the interior of the defensive line with him. Okay, I'll throw another name out at you that I was excited about in the preseason, but I knew it wasn't going to happen for the Raiders based on where they were with who they were signing and these deals, these extensions that they they poured a lot of money into. But that's Roquan Smith. I mean, we've seen what the Bears are. The Bears aren't going anywhere. Uh, If I'm the Bears and I'm looking at the fact that I need to rebuild and actually get an offensive line for my young quarterback if they're committed to him, uh, then then a piece like Roquan Smith – could be something they could generate. If you're the Raiders, would you entertain giving up that draft capital it's going to take to get a guy like that? If you get, and Mo, I say this with an if, and that is if you win five of six games um, because you've gotten a player or you win the next two before the deadline and you're on that upswing, is that someone you might consider going after? A little bit iffy because... You know, Roquan wants to be paid. So if you're giving up, <laughs> True. if you're giving up premium draft capital, you have to kind of be Sign confident him. that you can re-sign him. Because if you're not, if you're using him basically as a a what two and a half month rental, and you don't even know if you're going to be a playoff team, you you could be burning a top pick and and then losing the player in the offseason. So I would be a little iffy on that. The player I would look at, if we're talking about linebackers, off-ball linebackers, mm-hmm. I would call the Panthers about Shaq Thompson. Yeah, Now, Shaq one. Thompson isn't isn't an all-pro, pro-ball player, but pretty solid outside linebacker who's available, get you a bunch of tackles, can play downhill, can get after the quarterback if you get him on a design blitz. But Shaq Thompson is a name that I watch because I don't think he's off-limits for the Panthers. 
simply because the off-ball linebacker position isn't a premium position. Uh, typically, it's hard for those players to get lucrative contract extensions unless your name is Shaq Leonard of the Colts, Fred <laughs> Warner of the 49ers, Bobby Wagner in his heyday was getting uh, he was getting big contracts. But you see why Roquan Smith had a struggle. I know he doesn't have an agent, but typically teams are not paying top dollar for outside linebackers. But Shaq Thompson has two years left on his deal, and the Panthers will be on the hook for a large portion of his contract this year. Next year, the Rays will be on the hook for about $10 million, but you can also restructure him and get that cost down a bit. Now, we talked about some offensive linemen uh, last week, Isaiah Wynn being one of those names. Anybody there, or I just get the sense, Mo, that that they're not – they're sticking with what they got at offensive line. They will continue to rotate. They'll see who solidifies themselves there. I really believe they're just in for the long haul. I hope not. <laughs> Seriously, I, I can't watch – and again, I know we beat up. <laughs> I beat up on this guy a lot. I cannot watch another game with Alex Bars as a starting guard. I understand Alex Bars, fan club president. <laughs> I understand he's a physical interior lineman, but he's a backup. Let's yeah. be honest here. He is a backup interior offensive lineman. They, if Josh Jacobs has run the ball well, despite the fact that their interior offensive line is shaky at the guard positions, but they needed upgrade there. I would go after Brady Christensen of the Panthers. Again, the Panthers probably yeah. going to have a fire sale, even though they say they're not. Brady Christensen has played all four positions on the offensive line except center. Uh, first year as a rookie, played a lot of left tackle. This year, he started at left guard. And as we know, for some reason, the Raiders do not want to play John Simpson. To your point, remember, <laughs> we said that certain players just are not going to fit with the new system, the new coaching staff. And John Simpson is just one of those players because he's been benched weeks ago. And they prefer to play Alex Bars, by the way, who they cut before final cuts. So that tells you how that tells you how much they John think Simpson's of John falling Simpson. off. Yeah, he's he's he. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded. If they just say, hey, somebody come get John Simpson. We don't want. Him. Obviously, <laughs> they don't. But I would go get Brady Christensen because he has starting experience, specifically on the left side. He can come in and play left guard for you, and I think that would be a good spot. Another guy, Austin Corbett, who played for the Rams last year, he just signed a new deal with the Panthers, so maybe a little bit harder to get him because he, they're on the hook for a lot of money. But if he's available, I would check him out. He could play the guard position as well, I believe, on the right side. So there are some upgrades out there. If you if you look in the poach from the Panthers, there are some there are some guys in their roster that you can possibly get for a low price. Yeah, including some some more wide receivers as well. So there's there's plenty of opportunity. I think they are going to clear the cupboard down in Carolina. All right, Mo, let's switch gears now. The Raiders. Now we believe the Raiders can win five of the next six or so and really start to make this season into something better than it has been. But if that does not happen, if this team struggles or is inconsistent, win one, lose one, win one, lose two, whatever it may be, um, and they're looking at a position where they're going to be high in the draft next year, do they start entertaining themselves um, maybe in the next couple of weeks if things start to go that way? I mean, it would be it would be unreal to think of them losing to the Texans, but if they were to lose to the Texans uh, and and start that kind of downward spiral or... If they're just looking at uh, compiling some more draft capital, even even not related to them and their and their uh, win loss record, are there candidates for that the Raiders might be willing to move before the trade deadline? We keep hearing Cleveland Farrell 
uh, out there, which I don't believe they should do because I think he's actually come into his own on the inside and is a good, solid player. Is he a number four draft pick? No, but that we're past that. He's just a good, solid player who shows the proclivity to get better each week, which is very, very good. So you look at that. Um, that's the only guy we're hearing about. Any names, anyone you'd be willing to shop if you're the Raiders? Man, uh, you, you gave a bunch of guys extensions. So I would assume that the guys that you extended, and as we've talked about in this show, they can get out of Derek Carr's contract um, for a small window. And the offseason, Derek Carr has a no-trade clause anyway. So any yep. trade that happens with Derek Carr, he has to stamp his approval on it. So forget about right. the Derek Carr trade talks right now. <laughs> but the guys they extended, the guys they extended, I wouldn't expect them to move any of those guys. Now, if you're talking about some lower-end role players, kind of like a Divine Diablo who hasn't popped as much as people thought he would, I could see it. Uh, Foster Moreau, because he's going to go into free agency next year anyway, and you just extended Darren Wallace, so you're probably <laughs> going to lose Foster Moreau anyway. Uh, I could see that name being floated out there. A lot of people will probably bring up Josh Jacobs, but I just feel like Josh Jacobs has played so well. And he has. If, you, if, you're, if you feel like you're, you have no chance of making the plays, if you're the Rays, if I'm Dave Ziegler and I, and I look at the Rays and let's say, hope this doesn't happen, but let's say the Raiders lose their next two games, right? That means they lose to the Texans and they lose to the Saints. And that game is October 30th. The trade deadline is two days later on November 1st. If you are one in six, yeah. Josh Jacobs is your best trade piece. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Running backs aren't a premium commodity in the NFL, but the way he's played, he can go to a, t- a contender and push that team over the top the way he's been playing. I would probably sell Josh Jacobs. Fans don't want to hear that, but he would be their most valuable commodity that's most likely to be moved simply because he didn't get a contract extension. They didn't exercise his fifth-year option. So with him playing at running at the rate he's running at, you say, okay, we're one in six. We're not going to the playoffs. Josh Jacobs is out there. What are you willing to give us for him? And there's plenty of teams who could use that piece. I mean, the Rams don't have any draft picks to trade, so they can't do it. But they're a team who needs a running back. I mean, you look at you look at some of these, even Baltimore. Look at Kenyon Drake had a great day this past weekend, but it's Kenyon Drake. Josh Jacobs, I think, just a better back. So there's there's lots of opportunity. And I think you're right. I think if you get to the point where if you lose two in a row or you split them and you don't feel like you're going anywhere or you don't feel like you're going to bring Josh Jacobs back next year, then you 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 have to entertain offers no matter what. You're just going to listen. Doesn't mean you actually intend on trading him, but he is by far the most valuable piece. To your point about guys that haven't been extended, Darren Waller's not worth anything. He was extended. He would be a trade piece, I think, if he had performed well. But because he doesn't have a no trade, right? So so if you look at that, but he's not there. So it's going to be Josh Jacobs, and that's it. And that's why to me. Even if the Raiders want to be sellers, I don't think they have anything really to sell. They don't. But let's say the Arizona Cardinals call because James Conner has been out. Mm-hmm. They they they've started Eno Benjamin. Uh, they they could lose. I think they're going to lose Marquise Brown for about six weeks. So you got De- DeAndre Hopkins and the guy you just acquired in Robbie Anderson who's probably going to have to get himself acclimated to the system. Why wouldn't the Cardinals call the Raiders for Josh Jacobs if he is available? I mean, I, I could see it happening. Goes over there with former teammate Rodney Hudson, who's over there right now. I could see that being a trade deal if the Rays would entertain. If they are, hopefully this doesn't happen. If they are one in six and just completely out of the playoff race, because you have to look at it this way. If Josh McDaniels doesn't have a good feeling about re-signing Josh Jacobs anyway, why not get something for him? 
Right. No, that's exactly right. That's what you have. That's how you have to look. I mean, it is a business. I know fans will, yeah. will just shake up. Again, it all depends on where you think your team is. Now, the Raiders yep. win two in a row. Of course not. You're three and four. You're one game below 500, and you're right there. So you, you don't think about trading that piece. But but to me, it was it was worthy of a discussion uh, around that, and, and I appreciate it as well. All right, we are up against it here, the final few minutes of Silver and Black today on this Tuesday. We certainly appreciate you guys being back with us and for subscribing to the podcast or subscribing to the YouTube channel. So thank you for that. Mo, we're going to check out right now when we get back tomorrow. It's another mailbag edition. We love the mailbag show. We're also adding a new feature to the mailbag show where in the last segment, I'm going to do a lightning round. I'm just going to ask Mo questions and I will also answer them. But they're around culture, movies, food, uh, you name it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to make it a little more fun as well. In addition to all your great questions, which continue to pour in. So we appreciate that. Mo, have a great Tuesday, my man. I will talk to you tomorrow. Yes. Raider fans, take a deep breath. The Raiders are not going <laughs> to lose to the Texans. Be easy out there. There you go. Mo Moten. Make sure you check out his work on Bleacher Report and SportsNot.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten. I am at LV Gully on Twitter. Scockle Branson for Mo Moten for the entire crew, including our producer, David Stepanian, here at Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. We will talk to you tomorrow here on Silver and Black Today. Take care, everybody.